0: You're listening to Seed of the Woman, a podcast dedicated to telling the grandest story of all and to exposing the mystery of 666. Hello everyone, Randall Gilmore here, and welcome to Season 2 of Seed of the Woman. Now before we get started, I want to say how much I appreciate all of the interest and positive feedback from Season 1. It's really motivated me to keep on keeping on, and I just want you to know how much I appreciate it. In Season 1, I tried to lay out the biblical storylines of both the Seed of the Woman and the Seed of the Serpent. And I wanted to tell in the broadest way possible the epic account of God's plan to restore all things through the seed of the woman. Of course, that's the person whom we know is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Meanwhile, I also told Satan's counter story, revealing Satan's intention to replace the seed of the woman with a seed of his own. That's the seed of the serpent. It's a person who eventually rises to position and power at the end of the age to dominate the world. Now, Revelation 13 calls this person the beast out of the sea, but to stress the point that he's a real person and someone who's likely to be alive now, possibly someone we're already familiar with, someone who already has found his way into the news now and then, I included in Episode 7 of Season 1 a portrayal of how this person might start his day. Here's how that portrayal went. The beast out of the sea woke up early this morning with climate change on his mind. The idea that anyone might think of him as Revelation 13's beast out of the sea has never been something he's considered, but that doesn't mean he hasn't pondered his place in the world. I'm a man of influence, he thinks to himself, as he takes in the aroma of the breakfast his chef is preparing for him, pausing long enough to bask in the glory of his being wealthy enough to have so many others to attend to his daily needs. I'm a king without a country, he continues, and that's okay. I'm still a man of great influence. My empire extends for now from my natural talent to burst the bubble of anything that stands in my way, any corporation, any political party, or even an entire government. The beast out of the sea, whose actual name remains in the shadows, rises from his bed and walks across the room, tablet in hand, toward a comfortable chair where he can sit and read the latest on the Great Reset from the World Economic Forum. A summary of John Kerry's participation in a panel discussion sponsored by the forum catches his eye. Kerry promised the U.S. would rejoin the Paris Climate Agreement. Then he added that he was astonished at how many people in the U.S. didn't vote for it in the most recent election, but instead for, quote, the level of chaos and break of law and order associated with national populism. The beast out of the sea could feel his heart racing as he read those words. On one hand, he felt gratified to hear someone like John Kerry express such contempt for nationalism. On the other, it seemed so obvious that the problem of nationalism was not going away anytime soon. World leaders like Kerry seemed powerless to do anything about it. And that's where I come in, he said out loud to himself. As his mind turned to the end of a recent interview, when he was asked about the role that religion might play in advancing the Great Reset and climate change agenda. The reporter seemed so impressed with his answers, offering a friendly parting shot as he was about to leave. You could be the Pope, he said. And without thinking, the beast out of the sea turned, looked over his shoulder and shot back. You've got that wrong, he said. I am the Pope's boss. Somewhere in the world today, There is a man. So, season one was about summarizing the overarching story with emphasis on the beast out of the sea as the seed of the serpent, but also as an actual person. Now, for season two, I have three goals in mind, and the first is to keep on preparing you, and myself, and everyone else for the end time events that lead to Jesus' return. I really believe, with all of my heart, that Jesus is coming again. He's coming to judge his enemies and ultimately to restore all things. And the Bible has so much to say about this judgment and restoration and the events that lead to both. And so I'm determined to do as much as I can to prepare us for his return. Now, the second goal is to make it so clear that the world will not succeed in its attempts to escape judgment or to establish a restoration of its own. The storyline of the Bible is unmistakable. And the restoration that God promises requires the physical presence of Jesus here on earth and the literal establishment of his kingdom. And apart from this, apart from Jesus' return and apart from his physical presence here on the earth and the literal establishment of his kingdom, the curses that God imposed after the fall simply do not go away. But when Jesus finally does return, He's going to administer the blessings of his kingdom as the son of righteousness, the one who rises with healing in its wings in literal fulfillment of the prophet Micah's words. And meanwhile, we wait and we cope and we struggle. And it's that waiting and coping and struggling that Satan has used throughout history to inspire people to pursue utopias of their own, utopias that he offers them. These are utopias that turn aside from God's promises and plan, and utopias that reject Jesus and his role. And that's Satan's endgame. He wants to replace Jesus, the seed of the woman, with a seed of his own, the seed of the serpent. Now, I'm not talking about a physical seed of Satan, as though Satan literally impregnates a woman and the child that's born becomes his seed. I know that's what some people believe, but that's just nonsense. And this is where goal number three comes in because in season two, I want to take you deeper into the scriptures. I want to show you the beliefs, values, and practices tied to the political, economic, and religious system of the beast because I believe it will equip you and it will equip me and everyone else with what it takes to resist and endure someday. And by the way, I'm very familiar with the Bible's teaching on the rapture of the church. And in the course of time, I'll explain why everyone should be concerned about the things I'm sharing in this podcast, even if you hold to a pre-tribulational rapture, as I do. The beliefs, values, and practices tied to the system of the beast don't just fall from the sky someday. They have what we call historical antecedents. In other words, they're rooted in the beliefs, values, and practices that come before them in history, even those tied to current events. So in season one, episode eight, I listed some of these current events that are going to factor into the system of the beast out of the sea at the end of the age. One of the current events that I mentioned is climate change. Me almost have to be hiding under a rock not to have heard all the emphasis on climate change these days. And there are other issues as well, abortion and gay marriage and transgenderism and many more. Think about how so many world leaders and celebrities and so many in the media and entertainment industry are not just advocating, but demanding that everyone embrace their point of view on these issues. And meanwhile, they marginalize and sometimes silence anyone who disagrees. So why is there so much momentum behind these issues? And why are the beliefs, values, and practices of biblical Christianity being pushed to the margins and silenced? and sometimes even criminalized? Well, the short answer is because these are the beliefs, values, and practices tied to the system that will be led someday by the beast out of the sea. And in season two, I'm going to take you deeper into the scriptures to show you the historical origin of all of this and how all of it is symbolized by the number of the beast and the number of his name, the number 666. I'm also gonna show you two other times in history when the end time mystery of 666 broke out. But back then, it didn't endure. And I'll explain why, and I'll also explain how these stories give us insight into exactly how to overcome the end time strong delusion that 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses nine through 12 describes that's coming at the end of the age. Here's what those verses say. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So make no mistake, there is a delusion coming. And when the beast out of the sea finally comes onto the scene, A spirit of strong delusion will dominate the world. But what else does the Bible have to say about conditions on earth at the end of the age prior to Jesus' return? And what else can we know about the beast out of the sea? What else does Revelation 13 have to say about all of this? Answers to these and other questions in Season 2. More next time on Seed of the Woman.